Hello and welcome to this episode of Critics on a Bus, the podcast where two best friends review the latest films and talk film theory. Hello and welcome to another episode of Critics on a Bus. How are you doing today, Cameron? I am doing wonderfully, Paul. How are you doing? Coincidentally, I am also <laughs> doing wonderfully. We are reviewing a series today, which is not something that we normally do. We normally just stick to films. Mm-hmm. But uh, what series are we reviewing and why might we, we be doing this one as an, as an exception? Well, this is a hotly anticipated series that we've had to wait a long time for. And that is the Disney Plus exclusive The Mandalorian. Um, a very special Star Wars. It's the first of the Star Wars live action shows created for Disney Plus, an expansion on the universe. And in the UK, we only just finished, just had the last episode, episode eight, available to us. Yes, so many of our friends from the United States will have already, this is old news, they will have already (laughs) seen this, processed it, rewatched it. Briefly, before we go into more kind of details, what what is the Mandalorian? So it's part of the Star Wars universe, but but broadly speaking, what what is it that's that's kind of happening here? This show is set after Episode Six and before Episode Seven, so just after the fall of the Empire, the Battle of um, Endor, and it follows a Mandalorian, um, which are a creed of people, um, primarily from the planet Mandalore. And other people can join the creed and they are bounty hunters and an ancient society almost of bounty hunters and others um, from the galaxy. If you've watched the animated show The Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels, they are featured heavily in that. Boba Fett, the famous bounty hunter from episode five and six, where Mandalorian armor, Jango Fett, the creator of the clone army, the template of the clone army, um, also had Mandalorian armor and was considered a Mandalorian in general sense um and so the show follows this one mandalorian um on his escapades living life in a pre-empire society a universe uh mandalorians are underground they're a hidden society they they rarely come up they come up like one at a time but we don't actually know that much about the show's Star Wars, Clone Wars, and the Mandalorian are creating the Mandalorian mythology as we as it goes, in terms of accepted Disney canon. So, um, a lot of it is for us to discover in this show. I'm so glad that you did that bit because I would not have done that even half as well. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I just a, a heads up for listeners. Uh, Cameron is is much more acquainted with the Star Wars universe than I am, and while I am I am a fan, I enjoy it. I I do know the basics. Uh, I I will defer to Cameron on on uh, many things. But so there you have it. As many of you know, that's the setup. Perhaps a bit more information if you weren't aware of where it fits into kind of the Star Wars story, and also this this idea that you know uh, the Mandalorian themselves are a relatively unexplored part of the Star Wars canon. And so, uh, as Cameron said, this is creating and becoming canon as it goes along. Which is must be quite a, a nice kind of license to have for John Favreau and and the, and the other creators to to take this unexplored part of Star Wars, this unexplored creed and people, and develop that mythology. Quite a fun job to have. We are diving 
into the story. We're going to dive into broad story that covers most of the episodes as well as anything else that we deem relevant. And because of that, this is a spoiler review. If you have not seen The Mandalorian, then don't listen to this unless, of course, you don't mind and you want to hear the plot from us. But we will be going into details and uh, yeah, that's important uh, just in case you haven't seen it. The main story, it follows, as you say, this one Mandalorian and he uh, is is sent, I suppose, on this sort of uh, mission of sorts to uh, capture this asset. But as it turns out, that asset is something that we have all seen over the Internet. We call it Baby Yoda, but I believe it should technically just be referred to as the child. Yes. Is that? Yeah, the child would be its official name within uh, the universe and within the series and moved to compassion after initially handing over this child. The Mandalorian then takes it with him and goes traveling, trying to get away from those following him. And unfortunately, is chased up to the point where he then. Uh, there's a confrontation, big confrontation at the end. That's kind of the, the 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 broad plot here. But tell me what you thought about that story, the overarching story, and go into more detail as you deem necessary. Okay. Well, the overarching story it's it's a really interesting story because it's quite a it's a slow burn mm. um sort of like world building season. This one, you know, like right from the very beginning, you you, you establish he's not a good guy. The, the first opening of the film is him, like, capturing a bounty and freezing him in carbonite on his ship. And then he takes a bounty to go hunt for Baby Yoda. And there's 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 so much layered into, into the storyline. You know, there's the IG units who we see in episode five, um, and they explore way more. And they've got um, the Taitiwak Titi. I can't say his first name to us. Um he does the voice. He also directs a few episodes, but an episode mm-hmm. or two. Um, but you know, he you know he's involved, and there's that whole sort of like universe there. And then just like the story is based around, he captures the bounty, he captures the child, um, brings it in alive, which was implied that may not have been necessary. Um, but he can't let he can't let it go. He can't let the child out. He could, just can't get it out of his mind. So he um, and he's worried that Grief Karger, who is the um, Imperial warlord on the planet they're on, is going to do something nefarious with this child. And so he goes and steals the child back off them in a really cool scene where he just like just destroys a whole building full of like stormtroopers and all this kind of stuff. It's really good. Just how we are, how like dangerous he is as a as a character. And then is basically on the run for the rest of the show just trying to survive because he broke the guild code so all the bounty hunters are after him um he has very little money no friends no place of safety because the child is still hunted by bounty hunters and so is he so the story follows his journey surrounding that bounty and surrounding surviving and keeping the child safe and his personal understanding of a new type of life and in a small way, trying to figure out who the child is, although we don't actually get that resolved yet. And so, yeah, and then he meets various characters along the way, and the the ending is particularly good. Like, there's a few stand like standalone like storylines as the the prisoner ship where he tries to earn some money and basically hunts some people in a, in a new public prison ship. But it it all leads to this big ending, the big two part episode, I would say, where they go back to the original planet and an even bigger bad guy 
um, from from an old Empire time, Moff Gideon um, appears and is about, about to tear them a new one. In the end, they make it away. <laughs> this is a terrible like plotline summary. No, no, um, no, I think it's it's a lot more detailed than what I was doing. So <laughs> let's just just to get it out of the way, let's just talk about the difference between the overarching storyline and then the sort of standalone type episodes. Because I must I must say I was more interested in the overarching storyline than the standalone ones, and I. I definitely felt that there was a, a dip in uh, narrative quality with those kind of standalone ones. Now, a lot of shows, they'll have the big kind of underlying plots and then they'll have independent episodes. And that's fine, you know, but I don't know, like when he's like helping the, the swamp people, whoever they are, against the remnants of the Empire. Like, again, I, I just it felt like an episode of a children's show. And that's fine. Like, if people want to enjoy that, that's fine. But it was kind of like, oh, we're with these new people. We're getting acquainted with them. They have a problem. Let's train them. Here come the baddies. Yay, we defeated them. Now we go. Like, I mean, it's like the most basic of basic plot. There's obviously that's not doing justice to, uh, you know, you know, certain elements of the episodes. But I kind of I watched that one. And then the, the prison one was cooler because of the just the the dynamics of the fighting in it yeah. but but equally when, when it got to those two episodes i think that was episode uh what was the, what that been five and six i was kind of like what 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 are we doing like i i don't know like like i it just felt like it was kind of like we had this momentum and then it was kind of like let's just take a little break and now let's go back into it into in episode seven and I, it didn't really work for me personally i know what your thoughts were well i think it, it was building up to something though wasn't it like it was he went to this one planet to try and hide and find a quiet place where he can just figure out what to do next or keep the child safe but it didn't work out uh, it was already taken by a bounty hunter. It was already taken by uh, other people, and there were, there's also bounties found them on that planet. So they had to leave because the child was so notorious. The ship one was him trying to get money, and that was that was interesting world building. I think more than anything, seeing like a imperial sharpshooter out, out of out of kit and like how he deals with the aftermath of the empire and you know all those different people is I think it's just really interesting world building aspect for it and i think a few i mean a few people have said that to me that oh man the show it's like it's not action enough or it's a bit like oddly paced and by the time they get to episode eight they're fine they're like oh it it all paid off it all worked out really well i just think that in terms of the the universe building for the show i think it actually works perfectly if you think about it that way I mean, so yeah, this is. The oh, thing. oh like, am I just looking at it? Am, am I looking at it through Darth Vader tinted glasses? <laughs> no, look, look, look. I think, I think that this is definitely in a very different way to Episode Nine. I don't even know if I'd compare my worst enemies to Episode Nine. You know, I, 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 I don't <laughs> look. You know how I feel about Episode Nine, and that's that's that. And I don't mean this in that way. But what what I do think is apparent to me from this is that those who really are you know, proper into Star Wars, like yourself. It sounds like the sheer delight of the world building, the feel of this whole show. It's very, very Star Wars-y. And and that idea of exploring kind of unexplored, you know, elements of the universe and just, just contributing to the canon in and of itself... I fully understand how that 
and I, I I did feel that too as a decent Star Wars fan, you know, a, a pretty decent Star Wars fan. I, I I felt that joy of it. That wasn't enough for me to then kind of take it to the level to the level of hype that that people put this show on because it is a very 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 hype hype show. But I feel like I can fully understand with how subjective art is that for someone like yourself or someone who's actually a much truer, you know, died in the wool Star Wars fan than I am, how the time that they take in this show to just feel the planets, feel the, the, you know, the different ships and the armor and the blasters, it has this kind of, you know, Star Wars kind of delight to it. And I, I, I fully respect that. So yeah, and and on that point, something that we want to discuss is the production value of the show. It had a hundred million dollar budget, and it shows. Do you want to talk about that? About the production value? Yeah. The the interesting thing is like the way they filmed this. A hundred million isn't even a lot. They had to do some really like innovative camera work and and design to get the shots the way they did. Hence, on May the fourth, they're releasing a behind the scenes like series about the making of the Mandalorian. I don't know if you know about it, like, they had to do this, like, it's, like, really innovative thing where they have, basically, this scenery on this, like, big wheel behind the characters that would, like, move with them. They're, like, in, like, a... I'm not aware of it, so I can't help you to describe... (laughs) Just watch the special features, everyone, when when they come out. (laughs) Yeah, just just watch the gallery. No, they, they filmed The Mandalorian on this, like, in this, like, really, like, innovative way. With the budget they did, I'm going to read from an article in quartz whatever that is um so ilm which is the kind of visual effects company created by george lucas for star wars they deployed a real-time 3d projection system called stagecraft that could eventually replace green screen as a film industry standard for virtual environments so basically instead of having green screen behind them they created the environment and projected that onto the screens behind the actors in on stage so the stagecraft chief innovation is that it can project a 3d vision environment around the actors that changes in real time to match the perspective of the camera when the camera moves the background moves too simulating the experience of filming in a different location um it's a significant upgrade to green screen technology like the mandalorian came with this like whole new trial of this like visualization technology it allows films and tv shows to simulate environments without actually having to send an entire production team there to film if you want a big establishing shot of iceland for example uh, and you don't want to take and you don't want to take 700 people and are spending four months prepping a set you can use that kind of that kind of like stagecraft to do that instead and so they filmed this really innovatively almost without green screen basically they filmed it with stagecraft and that helps create such a realistic feel of the film because they're able to the actors are able to see the environment they're interacting with you know they're not stuck thinking i'm looking at a green dot ah so 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 what is it that they were seeing though they would see the environment behind them if they were like so when um the mandalorian for example is taking on the jawas and the 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 jara walker crawler was probably static but instead of having just a green screen around them and he doesn't know what kind of environment he's looking at 
environment was there behind him so it's like it was almost like they were on set on state on like on location he could see the environment and the environment would move and change and shift with him as he moved okay i i feel like i need to read more up about this in order to understand it but it sounds very advanced it does uh, and watch watch the gallery um okay. which will give you a, a greater insight into that but like so the production value is te- is kind of small but high because they trial this whole new way of filming mm. um revolutionizing revolutionizing tv just as star wars revolutionized science fiction in the 70s you know and aside from that the film just feels so visceral isn't it? like his armor you can as someone who's made mandalorian armor it's difficult <laughs> um and it's difficult to wear but that 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 armor feels so like workable and manageable and all the different kind of costumes have their own personality all the mandalorians themselves you know the big armor plated one with the massive gatling gun and there's li- there's other little ones around and the the forger and even the stormtrooper suits, they feel like they were just—they've made stormtrooper suits. They actually made stormtrooper suits and dirtied them up and roughed them up a little bit. You know, like if you look at the Re- Re- Revenge of the Sith, not a single clone trooper suit was used in Revenge of the Sith. Oh really? Yeah, it's oh, one of my big. It's, it's all CGI. It's one of my big pet peeves about the 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 prequel is how reliant they became on CGI, mm. um, in the end. But you know, you could you could see that the stormtroopers used real suits and they had real personalities and. Everything just felt real. Even the way like the death when the death troopers were reintroduced by with Moff Gideon after uh, um, after Rogue One, and just the way you know that that kind of terrifying way they speak, you know, with the whole like coded messages that only they can understand, and yeah, the weapons just felt really amazing. You know, you could really feel the power of um, the Mandalorian's blast, like big rifle. You know, the disintegrator rifle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And just just how amazing that was, and and everything that's inside that just felt really kind of very built. You know, it's very Guillermo del Toro. I'll, I'll I'd rather build it than than project it. And I think having that real experience is very Star Wars. Mm-hmm. very very lived in world very rustic very broken and dilapidated at times but it's so so satisfying as an audience to watch you're knowing knowing that they're not interacting with green blob but they're interacting with something real and all the makeup's real and it's it was so classic star it's so what made star was great in the mm-hmm. beginning they returned to that mm-hmm. and i think it pays off massively in production value yeah, definitely. I, there's definitely that Star Warsy feel. Even, even I, I, there was at one point where he's being chased in, in space. It's a dogfight, and then the the ship he manages to shoot the ship that's chasing him, and it blows up. And I was looking at it. I was like, oh, the way it's blowing up right now, I don't even know how to describe it. But it just looks like classic Star Wars, mm. probably because classic Star Wars was like a, a probably like a black sheet with like <laughs> little lights in it, like yeah. like, <laughs> like you know. So like, but there there was something about it where I was like, that just feels classic Star Warsy. And then, like you say, the costumes, all of that, particularly again for yourself, but even I could appreciate it. I feel like it was like a cosplayer's dream. Like oh. it was, it, <laughs> it was all so kind of like ah, well, like like you say, so like, well done. Yes, so well done. Yes, so well done indeed. And all you almost kind of could feel the materials and like 
the textures and the you know there there was a, a definite kind of delight in that certainly even yeah. even i think that originally they had the man they had baby yoda as cgi oh. um and i th- but i think i can't remember if i read it somewhere or i heard someone talking about it it was like they planned to make baby yoda cgi but it didn't or they had the puppet the animatronic puppet and then they cgi'd over it to make it a bit more realistic but people didn't really take to it so they un-cgi'd it or something because that okay. sort of like realness to the look of baby yoda people really connected with i think okay we'll i could be to, completely wrong on that yeah. one but like i feel like that there was a there was something about they tried to make a cgi version it didn't sit well with audiences so they went back to the animatronic I mean, it's certainly uh, whichever one they went for, the feel of it was much more kind of like classic Yoda than prequel Yoda. Yeah. Like that kind of yeah. It, so even if there was a bit of you know CGI touching up, it like it, it had that kind of animatronic feel, but still kind of like somewhat believable. Yeah, I I did I I I really kind of appreciated the feel and the visuals and the production on this and. It, it did feel good to be back in that Star Wars universe, just going onto sandy, rocky planets and going into little bars with lots of weird creatures and, you know, like it just that's Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> that's Star Wars. Little scavengers collecting little bits of, you know, rusty metal. And like, it's just, I know there's just, there is such a thing as that kind of like Star Wars feel. Mm. And I feel like this really kind of captured it. So I guess with that, then mm-hmm. um, I spoke about him a little bit. You came up in your great um, <laughs> Disney Disney rant as yep. someone who isn't c- quite on on board the the Baby Yoda train. You you think it's a bit memeable? You think mm-hmm. it's just a, a fad that was potentially created to become viral, which my wife has pointed out since. You can't ever plan for something to be viral. It, it just happens. You'd only seen half of the show by then, right? Mm-hmm. You're not even half of the show. After watching the whole of The Mandalorian, what are your thoughts now? Better is okay. is, is is definitely what I would say. I Do you know what? So, so, so first of all, I just want to say, you know, I had basically watched it up until well i you know of course so, so he gets baby yoda there's this whole instant with the the horned whatever thing but the mud where, horn yeah the mud horn where baby yoda uses the force and and i had i didn't really know how much baby yoda was going to kind of then feature in in the rest of the series i think for the best baby yoda wasn't actually in it that much for the rest of it and I think I, I think it was good that they used Baby Yoda sparingly because it definitely goes against my point of that being the main selling point because actually they got much more caught up in other aspects of the plot in the you know the fighting in Mandalorian law in the reveal of um, Moff Gideon and so I think that, that that was good that kind of showed look this isn't like a crutch yes it's very memeable but there are bigger things going on here however they also then very much teased this you know showed that they were going to now go on to explore where baby yoda comes from you know what's going on there like uh, uh, that, that that it seems like that's kind of now the mission that the mandalorian's going to go on with baby yoda is mm-hmm. to then find out about his origins uh, find out about his force usage maybe we might see how he relates to yoda maybe not um so and i appreciated that just the one thing that i i wasn't as much of a fan of with baby yoda and ironically it was kind of parodied at the end but uh you had grief karga uh, is it grief yeah grief karga who they were at a certain point where uh moff gideon's coming after them in a ship at the end and he turns to baby yoda and he's like 
well, go on, can't you do like like magic hands? Go on, like like and do the magic hand thing. Yeah, do the magic hand thing. And I kind of like almost laughed, but I was like, that kind of was an interesting choice to me. That it was difficult to really feel any serious danger surrounding Baby Yoda because at multiple times, like four or five times, when there was some trouble of some sort, he kind of used the force. But every time that he did it, it was like meant to be this really big, significant thing. Because we knew from the beginning with the Mudhorn that he could use the force. It's like, oh, okay, so he can use the force now. So it's not really kind of like a, that much of a big deal. Yes, it seems to kind of drain him, but like, I, I just, what I felt like, feel like would have been a really cool choice would have been if you didn't know that he could use the force, or at least not yet, or you maybe assumed it, weren't sure. And then that moment when the stormtrooper comes with the flamethrower and he kind of holds the flame back, if that was like, say, the only time that he used the force or something like that, and it was a big reveal for like the last episode. But like, other than that, it was like, he can use the force any time, really. Like, so that it was quite funny when he started uh, when he started choking Cara June because yeah. she was yeah. the, uh, the arm wrestle with yeah. her. And of course, maybe it was super cute. And of course, I got super super angry when the whatever they're called the, the dust, troopers were punching yeah, them. Yeah, literally, I was like, "You what, me? Like, are you kidding me? Like, like how dare you? Like, and, and it's a cute, you know, a good aspect of the show, but not perfect. But that all of that being said." I am very, very interested to see where they then take it and what the backstory is going to be and all of that. So I suppose, in summary, my baby response is, I'm waiting to see where they take it. The Force thing was overused, but I mean, I appreciate Baby Yoda. So have you come round onto Baby Yoda a bit more now? Oh yeah, definitely, definitely okay. more, definitely more. Okay, I mean, we can it means we can keep doing the podcast. That's good. <laughs> 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 the the one thing I would say is like Baby Yoda was meant to technically introduce force healing before Star Wars uh, Nine came out because he heals or he tries to heal the Mandalorian, which didn't work because they released it like across the world like this year. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. they they did they did miss a trick there. Yeah, I mean I I quite liked the the use of the force I think for Baby Yoda, but hey, it's people's just interdetermination but you're on board with baby you're a lot more now which is the main thing you're much more <laughs> on board with him and so that's that that's the main thing we're focusing on today mm. and we're gonna we're gonna leave it there before yeah on that perhaps we can have a little chat just about some of the other characters because and the main character because i i do have a thing or two to say there and and that thing or two is just very simple i ig11 was exactly what I want and expect from every Star Wars everything, which is the funny, kind of dry-humoured, but, you know, a heartwarming droid. And I feel like it was great, fantastic, love that. Mm-hmm. Can I say as well that I really enjoyed the character of Cara June, played by Gina Carano, who's actually a, was a professional MMA fighter. I just liked her character. I thought she was really good. I liked the banter between her and, and the Mandalorian. I liked the fact that they weren't trying to make a, necessarily make a political point in having her be like better than Mandalorian. But I feel like they, they showed it really nicely when they were arm wrestling, how they were like basically even and they were both good fighters. And it's like cool like that's great like you know like i thought that was really like smartly played and then of course even though we only got a taste of him moff gideon played by giancarlo esposito who is 
one of the main bad guys in um, Breaking Bad and in Better Call Saul. I feel like he was just born to play bad guys. <laughs> I, I feel like there were just certain people who were just meant to be bad guys, and he's just one of them. And so I thought he was, I thought he was phenomenal. I think yes, I like, I did like Cara Dune, especially that I find it interesting that she was, she was rebel. Yeah. You know, she's she's quite hard nosed, quite bitter, quite sort of aggressive, and she's she fought for the good guys. Well, I mean, technically they're the bad guys. <laughs> controlled the empire, the, the universe at the time. But you know, she fought for the she fought for the rebellion, and and she's from Alderaan, which is really like a massive name drop, um, by Moff. I particularly thought that the client, which is Werner Herzog, yes, he was so menacing. I love the whole his kind of accent. <laughs> Absolutely, I really, 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 really did like him. And just just the way that the whole thing came came about with him, yeah. Uh, and I, I thought I thought um, Pedro did a great job as as the Mandalorian himself. Yeah. Um. You know, it, it's difficult to know because a lot of it is you don't see his face. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, maybe like five seconds, and you know, it's that he brings a physical performance to the role, and being able with your your physical performance and your voice only to, to display emotion and things like that is a very difficult thing so i think he did really good and i just like the mandalorian it's like the whole kind of western loner kind of feel to brought back to the star wars universe and and how that reignited the the original like passion for star wars and a lot of people actually a lot of people think this is like the star star wars that was as it was meant to be yeah i've read that a lot yeah a lot of people and the introduction of Moff Gideon at the end and what he's going to do for future seasons already with with the very last shot i can't tell you how big a deal talk to me talk to me about this and explain because as someone who's not particularly well acquainted with so many things in star wars i look this up and what he had was i believe it's called a dark saber it's called the dark saber it's not oh, a dark saber oh oh my goodness the dark wow. saber the so, dark saber yeah so the dark saber is um is a lightsaber um and it was originally created by a mandalorian who was who became a jedi okay um so he was the first ever i think it's tara viz Vizal or something like that tara something i might spell said it wrong completely but he he was the first ever mandalorian to become a jedi okay and so he created this dark saber it's a really like it's an ancient weapon like it's really like it's like a thousand years before episode four or something like that like we're talking a long time ago it kind of became this sort of like mythical weapon for a lot of people having it gave you the right to rule mandalore which is the original planets of the mandalorians Mm -hmm. in, in a in a rough in a rough sense um and a lot of people fought over it i think darth maul had it at one point um sabine wren had it i think during the clone wars um the night sisters had it like a lot of people in the star wars extended universe had it and owning it would give you the right to rule the mandalorian people um and to lead them into battle and things like that and so there's a lot of fighting over it as people wanted you know wanted power and things like Mm. that um and so i think the last time we see it it's probably on mandalore so moff gideon having it which means he stole it from mandalore during the great purge which is the empire trying to kill all the the mandalorians he has that now the the dark saber is a huge fan favorite item Right, like it's it's huge with the fans. It's a big part of I think Star Wars Rebels, which is a very popular animation set in 
you know, just before the original trilogy. So the fact that Gideon has it is one, how did he get it? Was was he at was he at you know, was he during there during the Great Purge of Mandalore? Um, why does he have it? You know, there there is so much around the Darksaber that's going I'm hoping they explore in the future. And is it gonna be that resolving the baby yoda story then it's him taking on gideon and how you get the dark saber how do you fight against the dark saber because it is a lightsaber so you know not it will cut through a lot of things there's going to be so much dropping the lightsaber in at the very end was huge for the show so as as someone who is uh, relatively you know ignorant of star wars stuff for, for audiences who might also be does this in any way imply that he has the force or is a sith no. or anything like that no 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 because the dark has been passed down to a lot of people and it's gen- generally given to mandalorians in the end a lot of it is given just to random mandalorians and having it means you're kind of like the the ruler of Mandalore. And a lot of people fight for it because they want it. So if Gideon just killed someone holding it or found it in a vault somewhere during the purge of Mandalore and then took it and then he just have it because the Empire fell, so he you know, that's his personal weapon, then he doesn't have the force at all. A lot some Mandalorians don't. I don't think Sabine did and she had it for a long time. So no, it doesn't mean he's got the force. Okay. Cool. So again, and and again, I didn't know any of that that you just explained there. <laughs> uh, but in light of that, I mean, again, I can see why people get excited for you know where this could then go. I, I think I think you know if if I if I could in a nutshell then talk uh, just preemptively just say that I I do think that something with the Mandalorian is that it sets up a lot of questions and it it lays a good groundwork for then things to be explored both with Baby Yoda with you know this whole Moff Gideon thing it sounds like there's plenty to get people excited mm-hmm. for the future. There's sure. there's even there's even thoughts that. In the end of the episode based on Tatooine, episode five, um, where he helps, he helps like a, a someone trying to become a bounty hunter hunt down someone else. Oh uh, yeah, I think that's episode four. Episode four. Well, in in that episode, at the very end, they've they've killed the girl mm-hmm. and the woman, and then there's a figure approaches the body. Uh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. So did I for a long time actually. And there's 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 even rumors, there's there's theories and plots and twists that people think it might be Boba Fett interesting and they think that um, this is pure speculation <laughs> that it it will become a power struggle between the mandalorian and boba fett for the dark saber for the like the right to lead the mandalorians in the future or something like that or it could be like a power struggle thing who knows but that's a theory that boba fett was the person with the the feet but they're not sure okay interesting well lots that would of, certainly lots of be questions very to go into yeah 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 definitely i feel like we've kind of do we want to talk about john favreau and dave a little bit just this is just a personal thing for me okay so yeah it's a personal thing for me in that i think that with this show john favreau who frankly is i think severely underrated as a as a filmmaker okay needs to become the one of the lead showrunners for Star Wars, the Star Wars universe. Along with Dave Filoni, who was the George Lucas' protege, 
um, who has been who developed the the Clone Wars series, which is hotly loved by a lot of Star Wars fans these days. Mm. Um, and it's just it's about to finish its final season, which ends in the Order sixty six moment of the um, mm. Friends of the Sith. So there's massive tie-ins. Apparently, it fixes a lot of plot holes and all this kind of stuff. And if you look at the Clone Wars, the Clone Wars started off really badly, but it got great. Apparently, I've started it. <sighs> and the Mandalorian is, of course, an exceptional piece of Star Wars universe it, it fits so well i personally think that we should be calling for these two to take over the star wars universe from some people that currently manage it i think is a bit mismanaged um there's a bit too much <laughs> gonna drop any names there <laughs> no 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 there, there is a bit too much um movement around what's you know shows are being cancelled left right center and redrafted and all this kind of stuff it's whenever the, a new star wars project's announced it seems like there's mayhem aside from the mandalorian that's just gone off without a hitch you know it's already got th- its third season renewed the second season's coming in o- october this year or hopefully will be coming october this year and the third season's already already renewed for a third season and it's just it just it, it shows the way that they film this the storyline, all the little fans, the the fan favorite things they brought in in a really layered and detailed way it shows that they understand the universe, they understand the the audience desires, wants, needs, passions, and a way to to reinvent and to reimagine an already established universe in a new way that seems fresh but familiar. And that passion clearly needs to be driven forward in you know future film projects. Forget Ryan Johnson. He's out to destroy things. I don't appreciate him. <laughs> you know, I've seen an old interview where he says he likes creating 50 audiences. That's not the point of Star Wars. Come on. And and forget everyone else. Have them lead, you know, lead the Kenobi series, the Cassian Andor series. There's a, there's a female-centric series just been announced by somebody or leaked by somebody. Fine, get that out there. Get us, get us some nights of the Old Republic stuff. Like, there's so much that people want and I think these are the two guys and they're the team of people that understand that want and know how to make it perfect for the format they're doing it. I think they need to be leading Star Wars for the future. You have spoken. <laughs> there you spoken. Go. <laughs> this is the way. This is the way. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. I, you know, I, I feel like, I feel like I can't argue with you on, on stuff like that because, <laughs> because you, you know, there, there are plenty of people like you who, you know, really are into Star Wars. Again, I hate to keep pressing this point, but because I, I am into Star Wars, I watched it tons growing up, but, but I, I, I'm not as invested as, as say you are or other people that I know, and all of the people I know that are properly invested in Star Wars very much appreciate the Mandalorian, and, and that means that they're doing something right, and it means. You know, Star Wars, if anything, is is for the fans. It's for everyone, but it, but but you know, there are so many people who are invested in Star Wars as a, as a universe, you know, as a mythology, and those are the same people that will get very angry if 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 it's taken and then it's used for other means because there is a there is something to Star Wars. There's a feel to it, you know, visually and and in terms of design and costume and stuff like that. But there's also a, a Star Wars feel that's kind of like good triumphing over evil and and there's that kind of side of it and taking that and doing something like the last jedi you know that's just go do that with something else please so there we go please (laughs) right did we want to go to critics corner yes let's go to paul's critics corner 
Here we go. So, The Mandalorian is settled at a very solid 8.7 on IMDb. That is pretty pretty damn impressive, and that's after 162,000 reviews. It's <laughs> 92nd top-rated film. Uh, not sorry, uh, TV series of all time. So top hundred, top hundred ever. Yeah, okay. I'll that's take res- it. That's res- <laughs> you almost sound a bit disappointed. Like, I, I, I am a little bit, but I was fine. I'll take it. I was expecting at least top fifty. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> and it has a very, very interesting Rotten Tomatoes scenario here, where the audience score and the critic score is exactly the same, Ooh. and that is ninety three percent. Wow. Which is obviously through the roof you know that's that's mightily impressive but it's rare that those kind of match up so perfectly so maybe that's a nice comment on on the show uh yes also just real quick can i just say that one thing i really appreciate about this show is the music i absolutely loved the kind of star wars western Mm. theme I can't even imitate it, but you know that that kind of like, it's kind of like that classic cowboy song there. Yeah, just like, like just the the beginning, like the the doom. Yeah, and then like the. <laughs> it's yeah. <laughs> it's I I I really did enjoy that, and I I I love the musical kind of motif going through it, and the pipes and the yeah. yeah. So. I'm yeah, sure yeah. Yeah, I think my my sister messaged me at one point. She's watching the Mandalorian, obviously, and she's like, "Man, that music is so like catchy and invocative of the show." Mm. And it, it's right, like there is very little like it. Mm. Um, well, it's because it's like a hybrid. It's like a space, but also Western. Like, mm. ah, it's good. Yeah, and and it just has that. Just I think once you know what it is, you'll always associate it. Mm. There's well, there's just be a constant association with that show and it just yeah it just has such a, a nice like deep dark tone to it but also light-hearted and star warsy it's just it's just the perfect blend of, of, of sounds mm. <laughs> that's really kind of gushing review of the music right? <laughs> <laughs> well, calm down <laughs> <laughs> to sum up yeah let's go go that let's go, go to that. summaries let's go to summaries classic let's stick with what we know i think to sum up this show is what I, I this show made me feel like I wanted seven eight nine to make me feel. I it it was made right. It was it was just expanding and solidifying an established universe of Star Wars. It does it in a new way, a fresh perspective, introducing new technology, new ships, weapons, people, mythoses, but all the while feel, feeling a hundred percent familiar. And I think that it wasn't long enough personally mm. because i wanted more of the show mm-hmm. I, I i did think that sometimes the show felt a little slow mm-hmm. but i i really enjoyed the character building i loved the world the kind of the world building i did think that the the end team up makes sense but was a bit rushed and i think there was a bit there should have been a bit more of like a, a build up to returning to the original planet and to teaming up with grief cargo and things like that and i, and I wanted more of like just the mandalorian and the mandalorians mm. you know and i get that the whole point is the mandalorian is a loner and he's a man on his own and you know he's just this sort of like dangerous ass cowboy in space and my craving for greater world building and greater inclusion into that universe is why 
you know i i wish there's more of this it's not a flaw in the film it's a flaw in my like overzealous desire of of, of star wars but i thought i thought the production value was through the roof i thought the performances were great the characters were lived in the the prosthetics and the aliens were real and thought out i loved baby yoda that's the only reason my wife kind of watched the show (laughs) (laughs) in the end i thought it was just a, a great star wars show and it's probably one of the best things stars have made a glowing review there just a (laughs) (laughs) little just a little footnote um throughout this podcast whenever cameron says film he means series but that's you know it's fine Uh, (laughs) um, i'm so used to so used to being filmed yeah it's we're so uh, accustomed to that um i don't I, i don't know how to follow that because i feel like even just being on being on this you know in this discussion and knowing you i feel like the the star wars joy is like infectious and <laughs> and <laughs> i i came into this review very much you know ready to kind of bring things down to reality a bit because i know that you and a lot of people have been very swept away by this very taken by this and that's that's great you know and that is great i i do find a certain joy and a certain delight in just being in what feels like a very nice, authentic Star Warsy universe. I really just appreciated that the the, the production value of it. I loved the music. I I just loved the, the the feel of the show. And it kind of if if this were me as as uh, a twelve thirteen year old reviewing this, I this would be oh, like ten out of ten, no questions asked. I I do feel like it. it it, it slowed a bit, down a bit too much in the middle of the season, sagged a little bit there. And I've already explained, you know, how I, I, I like Baby Yoda as a, as a cute character and I'm intrigued to see where that goes. But I thought the Force thing was overused. I do feel like the plots were a bit basic at some points. And I a bit of the Star Wars kind of lore and excitement was lost on me, like with the Darksaber which again has a lot more significance to, to you know true fans but overall particularly the first few episodes and the last few episodes I, f- I found them to be enjoyable i have questions i do want to watch the next season and overall i, I think it's a well I, if we put it in the context of a lot of recent star wars it's 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 definitely at least top half for me probably top third in terms of star wars contributions when it comes to films series you know whatever so so yeah i appreciate it perhaps not in such a deep way as you do um (laughs) so what score would you give this i i'm trying to like balance it out Uh, to be honest with you i'm gonna give it a nine okay like what were you weighing up between were you gonna give it a 10 no i was weighing up between (laughs) either Like, should I give it an eight or a nine? Should I try to be harsh or, or like light and fluffy about it? But I'm actually just gonna give it a nine. Um, and it's it's heavy nine. It's nine because I'm such a fanboy of Star Wars. Like, you know, I I just bought the child pop vinyl because <laughs> of course you did because I could because <laughs> because it was released. It was pre-order. I was like, I'm having that. Boop. Um, yeah, I, I I did it. I gave it a nine. And I, but I think I'm just going to give it like a solid nine, not like I'm not going to worry like going high nines or low nines. I think a nine is enough because there's still more to come and it will still get higher each season. Um, no, I'm just, <laughs> just just because just because this was so Star Wars. Mm. 
you know this was just so so star wars and it's difficult to say what kind of bus this would be because i'm not sure bus has ever given me that kind of experience before (laughs) 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 oh dear and so i think i think it's it's difficult to assign a bus to it i mean I'm giving it a, like a flat line, so it would be like a single decker bus, you know. So we're we're looking, you know, straight straight nines, single decker, pristine bus, just absolutely immaculate. Everyone's social distancing, and or staying at home. Weather's beautiful, sun shining, bombing along like it's just just you and the rest of the world alone. There you go. Yeah. With it's, cowboy yeah. music in the background. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Watching ships fly past you in hoverboats. <laughs> the bus is driven by a robot. No, I'm of course. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. No, for me, uh, it just has to be nine, straight nine, and, and and no further because it's just it's Star Wars. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. How how low are you gonna give it? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? Do you know what? I I am very comfortable with what I'm about to say. I personally would give the Mandalorian a seven. Okay. And a decent seven as well. You know, I think seven seven just sits well with me. It's because seven is is just solid. You know, it's it, it implies that I I would give seven to something that I I respect. I think is good. I did enjoy, but also you know maybe have some questions with some issues with some you know I maybe didn't find as exciting as, as most people did. Like I I you know I feel very comfortable with a seven. And the bus itself is just definitionally average. So like you know middle of the road. So kind of almost what a seven point five would be. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's like a uh standard bus journey some stuff's good some 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 stuff's not get where you need to go so uh so yeah that's that's what i would give it and i feel very comfortable with that as a true reflection of how i feel about it so fair enough yeah but what i will say is is that if they build on the intrigue from this season i could definitely see myself giving higher and higher scores as it goes along yeah. So, you know, I mean, there are plenty of shows, plenty of shows that you and I both enjoy, plenty of shows that lots of people enjoy, where no one would claim that the first season is by any means the best. In fact, often when recommending things, people will be like, oh, just just get through the first season and it's worth it because then it builds and it builds and it builds. And that's true for lots of shows. And I, I hope that it's true of this. Yeah. So, so yeah. there you have it. The Mandalorian, our full breakdown review. <laughs> What do you think of it? Are you as swept away with it as uh, many people are? Do you have any criticisms of it? Do let us know. Yes, and until then, thanks for listening. Yes, goodbye. So after after watching the whole of the Baby Yoda, the Baby Yoda show, <laughs> <laughs> may as well be called that. <laughs> so blooper for the end. Um, <laughs>